Good morning. It's good to be back with you. It's only been a couple of weeks, but it seems like ages. I've been away in New York with the Brotherhood of St. Gregory, and then I was back during the weekdays in the interregnum, and then I took Mari, and we went so she could be spoiled by her grandparents for a week in northwest Arkansas, and then yesterday we moved into the rectory. Yay! Of course, any of you who have moved know, know the old adage that you never know how much stuff you have until you have to move it, right? So I feel a little bit like Paul's description of Abram, one as good as dead. What is it that we have to have so much stuff? My son and I were almost theologizing on that question yesterday. In the middle of the great move, we had hired a couple of really strong guys who knew how to load the truck and got about 90% of our stuff moved over to the new place, and we were surrounded by cardboard and wrapping paper. Why is it that we have to have so much stuff? What is it about our society that encourages us to do that? We carry a lot with us. Jesus presents an image today, and then a series of somewhat enigmatic teachings in Luke. He wants us to rethink and reframe the very heart of our lives and existence. And in doing so, what he is doing is he is posing to us probably the most fundamental spiritual question. The most fundamental spiritual question. As he says it, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But never forget what he opens this teaching with. He says, be of good courage, do not be afraid. It is your Father's good pleasure. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What is the kingdom? You would think at this point, after 10 years here and after a handful more years in ordained ministry, trying to lead Christian community for for so many years, that I would have this figured out. Well, I don't. Believe me, I don't. And I have a house full of boxes and wrapping paper to prove it. Right? It's very hard for us to take Jesus at his word here. Just as it was hard for Abram and Sarah to take God at God's word back in that sort of prehistoric context, in that ancient story, very, very, very close to the root of the Judeo-Christian traditions, this sense in which Abram is asked to give up everything to embrace something that, from any measure, is impossible. Simply impossible. How is it possible for Abram and Sarah to bear a child, to become the parents of multitudes, as God discloses to them? How is it possible for us to believe in a God whose pleasure it is to give us the kingdom? These are not throwaway words. God takes pleasure in giving us something, not bartering, not exchanging, not asking for a quid pro quo, not even asking for a contract. God wishes to give us a kingdom. 
that old language that Jesus' first hearers would have heard in a context where they knew how kingdoms would come and go, and they always came and went with an army, with tribute needing to be paid, with power and violence and often oppression. They would take and take, but they didn't give anything. Not unless you had something that you could really offer them freely. Very few people had that. So Jesus is talking in a very strange language. And it's even hard for us now, 20 centuries later, to hear this and really take it into our hearts and souls and bodies and lives and practice it. Just a few generations after those first disciples of Jesus, the church was already trying to figure out this kingdom business and was falling back into the business of kingdoms of the world. So God became theologized again as the God of power, a God who needed to be bartered with, a God who needed to have some exchange of goods in order for any of this to make sense and work. And yet somehow this teaching in Luke persisted just below the surface. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, the good news, the gospel, is that God gets this about us. God knows that we can hardly believe in the impossible. God knows that we are going to be tight-fisted and we are going to go through life with all of our stuff and all of our baggage, emotional and otherwise, and often hang on to things for way too long. And so Jesus gives us this other enigmatic teaching to remind us that the kingdom is going to sneak up on us and sneak in when we aren't looking. Because, Jesus says, if the master had known the hour when the thief would come, what would the master do? He'd protect himself, right? If we knew when God's kingdom was going to sneak into our lives, we would probably shut the door. Really? Really, I mean, it is funny, but it is true, right? That's why it's funny. Yeah? It is true. If we knew really what God wants to give us, we would shut the door and say, take a hike, God. So Jesus warns us, God's going to find a way to sneak in. Sure as the sun will rise, God will find a way in. So be at work, be about the business of the kingdom, be prepared, but you won't be told the hour, because that would be too much information, right? TMI, as my son would like to say, TMI. And we might end up barring the door against something good, because we can't believe it. We just can't believe it. One of the great blessings of traveling is that I get to see the church in other parts of the world. Many of you do the same when you are out there on trips, as so many of us are during the summer. Just the past two weeks, I got to see glimpses of that kingdom in a little flock of men gathered 
at a retreat center up the Hudson from New York City. And the Brotherhood gathers, we sing together like we've always been singing together. It's amazing. And we pray together, and we eat together, and we converse and talk. And these are men who come from a wide diversity of ministries and walks of life, virtually every socioeconomic condition, different parts of the world with different perspectives, different understandings, and yet there is something that binds us together. In an affection, quite frankly, that is beyond words. It's extraordinary. That has something to do with the kingdom that God has offered. And if you tease apart our rule, all you see is a rule that is about accepting that. That's all. Learning how to accept that gift and to celebrate that for God's glory. And it is hard. So what do we do? We spend a lifetime working on it. We spend a lifetime working on letting go of those things that often bar us from embracing or St. Theodore's in Bella Vista, Arkansas, which is a little suburb of Walmart. My parents live in Eureka Springs, about an hour from there, and my dad was doing supply work there over the past years. They were going through an interim period. St. Theodore's is a younger community than we are, but it's a similar community in size and nature. These are up-and-coming people in their communities. A lot of them have executive jobs. They love each other. They look out for each other. And they hold something different in a world of commerce and commercialism and profiteering. They hold a community in Christ. And you can see it in the way they greet each other, the way they care about each other people who sometimes wouldn't meet in any other secular place in the world. But when they gather at St. Theodore's, something extraordinary is unfolding in their midst. And there is love and affection there that is beyond words. Be not afraid. It is the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. What have we been given? As we were unpacking yesterday, I was reflecting on the fact that I had so many offers of help from inside the parish. And I wondered at how few offers we actually took up. And I wondered, why is that? Why is it that we insisted on doing so much ourselves? Yet we had one family who showed up with a pizza in the middle of the afternoon just to offer us a snack. That was one of the highlights of the day. And the other highlight was one of our good friends showed up yesterday evening with a meal. She'd been working hard all week. She didn't have to do it, but she wanted to, and she came with a lovely meal and sat and sat in solidarity with us in our just utter exhaustion and bewilderment. The kingdom. Because it was beyond price, and we didn't have to pay for it or earn it, it was given to us. Like your generosity made the rectory possible to begin with.
like the generosity of our spiritual forebears who made possible this worship space, like our forebears who came down from Christchurch Sausalito all those years ago, a dozen of them, good number, right? And founded Church of Our Savior the same year Mill Valley was incorporated. Right here. Right here. A kingdom that was given, not earned, in many cases not even asked for, but given. That's what Jesus is talking about. It is our greatest treasure. It is our greatest gift to a world that thinks that everything has to be earned and bartered and made and that there is never enough to go around. God is saying there is more than enough. So that the treasure that I give you will be greater than all the stars of heaven. Do you believe it? I struggle with it. Will you struggle with me? We'll struggle together and be graced by a God who loves us from before time. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.